Friends sounds an awful like like friends. Uh, anyway, good morning to all of you. Uh, what a melodious morning it is, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. A new day has dawned upon us, and we know because of Jesus, everything will be okay. Well, for those of you listening, you're wondering what in the world is he talking about? I am just trying to draw in the names of uh, some of the morning listeners who log in uh, every day and are part of this and say good morning um, to uh, to everybody else who is here. And, and uh, for those that listen uh, at a later time, I mean, we do have a live group of people uh who are with me, present, real, raw, uh, 
and uh, comment back and forth to one another. And uh, they, we've got a real community. We really, really do. And uh, the sense of community is something that's kept me going for these, you know, in, in March, I think we're going to hit almost four years. And uh, we're, we're grateful. I'm grateful for that. Uh, grateful for you. And uh, grateful that we can look at God's word together. We're in the fourth chapter of Luke Today is the third day in this chapter uh, where we'd been considering how uh, miracles substantiated the message. I've talked about how other places in the world um, it, it has been necessary for God to do miracles in order to substantiate the message. We in the West do not get that. We just simply don't. We think, well, we have theology and we have Bibles and we have, you know, we everybody should just know these things. Not true. And so in some places, in some countries, among some tribes, God shows up and does incredible things. Often in answer to the prayers of missionaries who have gone to these places. In fact, there are missionaries that go who have much the mentality of what we have in the West uh, and who sometimes align themselves as being anti-miraculous. You know, we, we don't believe that God, not, not that they're against miracles. I mean, most Christians still believe that God does miracles. But to do some of the types of things that, that God does in some places in the world is absolutely stunning compared to what we see here off in the West. And so many a missionary have changed their tune about things like visions, dreams, and how God reveals himself, especially in places where they do not have a Bible, uh, and in places uh, where, where the gospel needs to be substantiated. And God does still work in those ways. And, and I'm sorry for anybody that listens that's a friend here from the West. Uh, we, we are very, very limited in our view uh, of things, I believe, and I'm not saying that we need to be seeking out uh, all kinds of miracles and prophecies and visions and signs and dreams and all those types of things. Not saying that. But what I am saying is God still does work in those ways. And so the miracles that we were looking at here in Luke chapter 4 are things that Jesus was doing. A, yes, he loved the people to whom he was ministering. That's true. It wasn't just uh, He wasn't just using them for... Uh, a sideshow. Uh, that, that, that's that's not at all uh, what Jesus was doing. However, uh, he was also in the midst of performing these miracles that we've looked at so far. In just in Luke chapter four, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he is authenticating his authority. Uh, he is underscoring the validity of his message. And so today, we're going to pick up at. at at verse 38 and look at one more healing that Jesus will do. And then we're going to talk about uh, the call to multiplication. I mean, that 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 is, we are called to multiply. And uh, uh, we're going to see this right here at the very end of Luke chapter 4. Uh, and uh, so let's get into it. I'm going to pick up at verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue. He'd been at synagogue. I've been to that synagogue. And, and uh, he went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. 
they asked Jesus to help her. So she had something that any of us can have. Uh, they may not have had Tylenol on that day. They may not have had um, things of that nature. I'm, I'm sure that they had things, if someone had a fever, that they would serve some additional natural homeopathic type of medication. I'm sure of that. But she had this high fever, and so it, in Capernaum is where we are now, Simon's mother-in-law suffering from high fever, and they said, hey, Jesus, can you help Nana over here? Nana needs some help. She has a fever. And it says, so he bent over and rebuked the fever. Now, yesterday I was reading, I think it was Don that posted about the, the, the COVID, if I remember correctly. And I noted in the comments a person, uh, our dear sister Nell, rebuking the COVID from Don's body. Where do we get this from? Right here. We get it from right here. Luke chapter 4, verse 39. He bent over, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. She was up making sandwiches. Uh, she was up preparing food. She was uh, doing whatever they need. She was making lemonade. Uh, probably not lemonade, but something. She was making some some drink, but it says she got up and began to wait on them. So here is another example of healing that takes place that, that Jesus does in the body of um, Simon's mother-in-law. Now, Simon, we know that is Peter, Peter's mother-in-law. And Jesus rebuked the fever and it left. And, and sometimes, I mean, that's what we need to do. I mean, Often we'll turn to the medicine cabinet. Uh, often we'll turn to, you know, uh, some food. We'll, we'll turn to something to help lift us out of the illness uh, when maybe the first place we have to turn is to prayer. Now, our bodies are complex, phenomenal machines, and all kinds of things affect us. And uh, we, we, we need to be cognizant of that as well, uh, of the things. I mean, certain types of food are going to affect things like blood sugars or blood glucose levels or blood uh, cholesterol levels or, you know, A1Cs and all those different things. And so we need to be cognizant of, of our body and how we take care of our body. One thing for me of late, I have not been, uh, I have not been getting the type of exercise uh, that I have needed. And because of that, you know, my, my blood pressure is up a little bit. My blood glucose levels are up a little bit. Either it's been rainy or snowy or just too busy. And I need to take corrective action in that. And it's the start of a semester and so extremely, extremely busy. But i got to take corrective action. Now, again, I'm talking about the fever. She had a fever. Notice again what Jesus did. He rebuked the fever and it left her. I mean, how much do we pray about the things in our lives? How much do we pray about the things in other people's lives? How much do we trust God to to work in, in our circumstances? People heard about it. So it tells us in verse 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now, some of you would say, aha, see, it says each one. Well, 
I mean, there was a steady line of people. So it was like, okay, heal this person next in line. Next, next. I mean, that, that's kind of what was taking place there. And there's nothing said about conversation and nothing said about you know, theological examination. Nothing said about, um, you know, a gospel conversation. None of that was said. The gospels all bound up in what was taking place. And, and I'm sure that words were being spoken. I'm sure that Jesus was looking at people's eyes. I'm sure that, that Jesus was conversing with people. But the scriptures themselves right here don't make much of that. It just makes much of Jesus healing all those who came to him that night. Now, again, he's not going to get to everybody, and we will see that as we finish out this text this morning. Moreover, it says, uh, moreover, uh, the demons came out of many people and shouting, you are the son of God. He rebuked them, would not allow them to speak. Now, we we looked at this just a little bit yesterday. We talked about it just a little bit yesterday. Jesus, why wouldn't he allow them to speak? He did not want them to speak because, A, he didn't want them to, to, to mess up the message, but also... If too much word got out, the word was traveling fast enough as it was. But as word got out about the, these de- demonic people, it might cause people to question what's really going on here. I mean, there, there's a lot of speculation as to why Jesus said, don't speak. Uh, and he knew that they knew he was the Christ. And so that is why he he's, he's just saying, just be quiet. I mean, sometimes people on earth don't know, but people who are demonized, they know. Demons recognize Jesus, even when people in this world do not recognize Jesus. Now, if you go back to Mark, uh, the first chapter, if I remember correctly, let me pull it up and just do a comparative here. I think I mentioned yesterday we would do this uh, down at, No, it doesn't say anything uh, in Mark, uh, and we're just doing a little comparative analysis here. It doesn't say anything about him sending them away, uh, but it does kind of indicate that night happened. Uh, Verse 34, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Then it just picks up verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where... He prayed. Now, I'm going to take us back over to Luke because that's the passage that we're in. This is a comparative looking at comparing Luke and Mark and what they have to say about this situation. Uh, What we do see is that at daybreak, down at verse 42, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Now, I just want to say this, and I this just kind of pinged in my own heart as I read the Luke passage, uh, because I like, I mean, as I read the Mark passage, uh, one of the things I like about the Mark passage is it says, "While it was still dark." Uh, there, there are a number of us who listen at this hour or speak, in my case, at this hour, uh, whose body has awakened us maybe a few hours early. 
uh, earlier than six o'clock. Maybe you're up at four o'clock. And my heart was kind of pinged a little bit when it, when we read in Mark, uh, while it was still dark, he went out to a solitary place to pray. There's all kinds of things we can do uh, at daybreak. There's all kinds of things we can do at uh, 3 a.m. every morning. All kinds of things. Uh, we can check Facebook. We can read the news. Uh, we can look at the stocks. Uh, we can read the newspaper. Uh, we can check emails. We can. There's all kinds of things that we can do. You you might be one who plays uh, solitaire on your on your device, your tablet, your phone, or something. My heart was just pinged at what what it said at daybreak. Jesus went out to a solitary place. In fact, I uh, again the Mark passage says while it was still dark, he went out to a solitary place. Friends, those of us. Some of us, because of our age, we are finding ourselves getting up quite early. Why not pray? What a great time to pray. I mean, there's nothing else uh, bothering us, uh, and it's a decision. It's a decision. Will we pick up the phone and do something, or will we pray? I know people, and this isn't my practice, and it needs to become my practice maybe. Uh, my kids, my uh, middle child, my oldest son, he and his wife do not sleep with their phones in the bedroom. Uh, you walk out if you're visiting them, which probably none of you will do. But as we visit them, you walk out and they have left their phones out in the kitchen somewhere away from the the bedroom so that they're not looking at the phones uh, going to bed or getting up in the morning or that type of a thing. And I think for myself, it's like I just I, I need to have a discipline not to pick up the phone until until I've prayed and not to pick up the phone until I've gone out into my chair. I have a place where I go and sit and, and read my Bible and have devotions. And uh, as, as Walter is saying, when my heart and mind are the clearest, it's 4 a.m. Now I, I want to press into what is being said here. I, I'm talking about getting up, praying, spending time. What can we pray about? I think what Jesus is praying about is revealed in the text here. Certainly, he's probably praying for the people that have been healed. Uh, he's probably praying for the family in the house there at Capernaum, which is fantastic. If When Israel opens again, it didn't say if, when it opens again, or if we go, even though there might be war going on, you get the chance to go to, go to Capernaum and see where Peter's house was and to see where this very thing may have happened. Uh, it says, moreover, at daybreak, you're not the solitary place. And, and so what's he praying about? What is he thinking about? Uh, he's thinking about what's coming. He's thinking about what the day will entail. So it says this, verse 42, at daybreak, the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus is doing these wonderful things. We have to hang in there. We have to, you know, we have to stay at it. We have to uh, uh, keep bringing more and more people to this place and whatnot. And, and it's interesting what Jesus' response is. And, and I want to challenge us uh, from both a, a personal perspective and our own personal lives, as well as from the corporate life of the body of Christ, of the church to look at what Jesus has to say here. At daybreak, Jesus, not a solitary place, the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. 
Um, the other passage says the disciples found him. And he says in verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to other towns also. That is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He traveled around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, and he says, because that is why I was sent. He knew his mission. He knew his callings. Uh, he, he knew that one of his key result areas, that, that's something that some of us work by, something called key result areas, was to go and preach the good news in other places. Now, I want to press in just a little bit, uh, and I'm going to go back to the going to go back to the Mark passage for just a moment uh, about the calling of multiplication. We are called to multiply. Jesus knew. Yes, I'm going to look at this real fast in Mark. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. There, There's some things added in Mark that we don't see in Luke. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout the Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, again, a reminder synagogues were in all the towns. Don't confuse the temple in Jerusalem with all the small synagogues, the small outposts, if you will, uh, that uh, were in many of the towns. Not all, but but many of the towns had these synagogues, and I've already described them to us before. But Jesus said we need to go other places to preach. We are called to multiply. I I am called to multiply. I am called to go and preach other places is what Jesus is saying. What does this mean to us? Uh, I think here in the West, and you look around at all the churches, I mean, all the all the communities dotted with churches that are, you know, and again, no offense to, uh, to anybody else here. I, I don't have, well, I do have white hair in the beard, and I don't have much hair on the head. But anybody else that fits this category, even if you color your hair, um, listen, it, 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 so many churches are just full of older people. Nothing against old people. I'm, I'm becoming one of them. I love them. But we have to be thinking, how do we bring life? Well, so oftentimes what happens is the church misses the reality that we're not called to just maintain ourselves. We are called for mission. We are called to multiply. And one of the things we need more of is more training in things like evangelism. Uh, we need more training in things like disciple making. Discipleship is like, I'm living as a follower of Christ. Yeah, that's all well and good. But disciple making, you are called, I am called, the church is called to make disciples. We are called, if you will, to be a disciple-making factory. Uh, that's what it means to make something. You, you, you produce something. If you make cookies, you produce cookies. Uh, you know, if, if you're in manufacturing and, and you, you, you're you building, um, I don't know, you're building something, uh, you're building sails for sailboats, you produce sails for sailboats. If, if you have a business that, that the business is to produce sales and you produce one sale or two sales and go, hey, we've done our deal, you're not going to be in business for very long. 
And to a certain measure, that that's the way it is in so many of these small churches. And again, I'm not opposed to small churches, but I do think that if we are living the disciple life that we are called to live, we realize we're called to multiply, we take it upon ourselves in our personal lives to seek to share Christ with other people. I think that we then, as a corporate body, say, how are we going to communicate the gospel in our community? I think one thing is that we teach people how to share Christ at their own dining room table. I think we teach people how to share Christ sitting at Bell the Cat or Subway or wherever it might be. I think that those are the things that we need to do is teach people, equip people. And then we need to get together and pray. What if in a church service... We, we stopped every Sunday and said, hey, let's let, let, get with two other people and pray for your non-believing friends. Hmm. I wonder what would happen in answer to those prayers. See, we're, we're called to multiply, and too often what happens in so many of these uh, of these little dying churches is they go into maintenance mode. we got to protect our bank account. we got to protect uh, our building. we got to protect all of our ways of doing things and our views on things. And We're not called to protect those things, folks. We are called to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. And I believe that when, when churches lose mission, that's when they begin to die. And what is the mission? The mission is the very mission that Jesus is called to do, the very thing that he says he is sent to do. And so I am a proponent of churches being, uh, becoming uh Churches that plant churches. And you go, well, why would we plant churches? What, what's up with that? Listen, Belfast needs more churches. You go, what do you mean it needs more churches? It doesn't need, he's got enough churches. The churches that are there just need to do what they need to do. Well, I, I agree with that too. However, uh, there are people in Belfast that styles of church like Little River are not going to reach. There are people in, um, Belfast, the churches, the style of Calvary Chapel are not going to reach. There are people in Belfast with churches, the style of Christ the King are not going to reach. There are people, and I'm, I'm speaking of evangelical churches, that's why I'm naming them. Uh, there are people in Belfast, churches the likes of Veracity Chapel are not going to reach. I think we need to ask the question, how do we do church differently? How do we present the gospel differently? What if we had people who said, hey, I'm going to make it my job every week to go purchase some things at the United Farmers Market and set up at a table with a little placard that says spiritual conversation. And I don't know if anybody sells coffee at the United Farmers Market. I've been there for a while. And if not, maybe take a craft and say, hey, free coffee and spiritual conversation. And you sit there and see if you have conversations. In fact, another thing I've thought about is uh, uh, down at that little uh, piece of property at, at the end of the footbridge. What about the Penobscot Bay House of Prayer? What if what if that someone purchased that property and a, a, does that be a big building? A small building, a nice building is built that that's, would be a great place for contemplation. And, and we had an army of people who'd said, hey, we'll, we'll hang out there. We'll pray there. We'll pray with other people who come in and invite people of any ilk to come in and pray. 
with our goal being sharing Christ. I mean, that that's the type of missional type of thinking that we're talking about. When we did uh, Christmas at the market, uh, the idea was outreach. The, uh, the the idea was sharing Christ. The the idea was multiplication. Friends, I think we have to come back to multiplication mentality. And, and then then simple things beyond that. I mean, I was talking, uh, went to a men's breakfast, the Calvary Chapel men's breakfast on Saturday morning. Uh, and one of the guys stood up and said, you know, one of the things that I used to do in a former church, older guy, guy in his 80s, I think 80s, uh, or else he hasn't aged well, uh, said, you know, every weekend we had a group of people who would go out and just serve the neighborhood. We'd go around to people and find out what their needs were, and we had handymen, and we had electricians, and we had people who would wash windows. We And, and every weekend, every Saturday, they'd go out for a few hours and minister to the community. That's something you can do. Central Church, let me talk about another church over in uh, Augusta, China, uh, what same thing. They've gone into Augusta and served. They've cleaned up neighborhoods. They've painted in neighborhoods. They've done things like that. I mean, those are ways that we can serve, but then then beyond that, to think through how to share the gospel. We are called to multiply. How do I know this? Well, A, right here in the passage that we've been considering at the conclusion, Luke chapter 4 says, at daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place, and Mark tells us to pray. Uh, the people were looking for him. In fact, the disciples, tells us in Mark, were looking for him. And then when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns also. That is why I was sent. And friends, I, I have that sense of calling, of uh, of needing to be lots of places, to go lots of places, to preach the gospel, to challenge churches, to be multiplying churches. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anybody that's part of a, of a church that's not growing, but I want to tell you, Healthy things grow. Healthy things multiply. And we, we, if you're in a church that isn't growing and isn't multiplying, I mean, you go to your pastor and say, why aren't we growing? What, what's wrong with us? I mean, be that pain in the keister of the pastor and say, why aren't we growing? You know, now the pastor, and don't say pastor and say, pastor, I'm not here to attack and insult you. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to say I, I want to be a part of the change in my local church that we would be a multiplying church. Now, let me just say these things. I, I got to land the plane here. In the the parable, the sower and the soils in Matthew chapter 13, it talks about the seeds being scattered in all these different types of places. Um, rocky soil, good soil, thorny soil, uh, you know, off the beaten path, all these different places. And in the conclusion of that, and he talks about the seed, some bore fruit, some produced a harvest, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. And then as he gives the description of that, the, the interpretation of that parable a little bit later in Matthew chapter 13, he will say the same thing, 30, 60, a hundredfold. So we ask ourselves, how do we, how are we bearing fruit? Jesus seems to indicate a bearing of fruit there. He seems to indicate a multiplication. You go over to Matthew chapter 25, and he talks about uh, the parable of the talents. Some are given five, some are given two, some is given one. The one the master's pleased with are those that go out and multiply what they were given. Uh, that's indicator. John chapter 15, uh, one of my favorite passages, John 15, 8, says this. 
Uh, let me put this up for you. And I know some people like to argue, well, it's different fruit than what you're thinking about. I don't think so. John 15 verse 8 says this. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Some people will say, well, he's talking about the fruit of uh, the fruit of righteousness that we're to grow in righteousness. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit because, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I, well, I, I okay, I, I think that's also true, but I think ultimately the thing that he's talking about here is bearing fruit, the fruit of disciple-making. What is disciple-making? Disciple-making is making a disciple, helping somebody else learn to follow Jesus. Now, disciple making is a lifelong thing. Uh, we, we, we keep discipling other people and we help them to disciple other people. See, it doesn't stop with the pastor. Don't put the pressure on Jacob. Put the pressure on yourself and, and ask yourself, okay, so who am I reaching out to uh, intentionally? Uh, who am I praying for intentionally? Uh, who am I sitting down and sharing the Bible with intentionally? And for me, I've got way too many in some ways. But to think about how do we bear fruit, the call of the Christian life is the call to multiplication. That is what Jesus is modeling for us here in Luke chapter 4, the end of the chapter. Uh, and not only is he, he mentioning it and modeling it, I mean, he's, he will eventually tell us we are to multiply as well. So for you to think through, how do I multiply? Maybe tomorrow, I, I, I won't go further with text. Maybe tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about some specific ways uh, that you and I can multiply the gospel uh, and multiply disciples and thereby bring God glory. Lord, help us. Help us not to just be in maintenance mode as churches. Help us as believers to, to realize our personal calling to share Christ with other people, uh, our, pers- our personal calling to share Christ, yes, with non-Christians, but also to, to challenge other Christians in their faith. Lord, help us to bear fruit for you, fruit that will last, fruit that will bring you glory. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, friends. See you tomorrow.